0: Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. So I'm ready to get into this today, so we're going to read the Word together. If you would stand to your feet, we'd like to stand to our feet in honor of the reading of God's Word. I want to read uh, two texts today, one in the Old Testament and Proverbs, one in the New and Matthew. So if you have your Bible, you can find that and read from your Bible or you can follow along on the screens. Uh, and Proverbs eighteen ten. And if you would, let's read this all together. Read it with me. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. Amen. Let me read Matthew 16. You don't have to read all this one with me, but you can follow along. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. This is Jesus' uh, interaction here with Jesus and the disciples. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Man, so thankful for Jesus Christ today. Amen. Man, that last song so amazing as it's talking about declaring the name of Jesus. And I promise you this, when we come together in church here, we're going to declare the name of Jesus. Because the name of Jesus is what changes everything. Jesus is the hope of the world, amen. Jesus is the hope for your situation. Jesus is the answer. And so today we don't just come here by accident, but we've come here on purpose by, di- by divine appointment to hear from God. God wants to speak today to each and every one of us. So let's open up our hearts and let's receive from God and his word today. So today the message as we finish up this series is the church of family's fortress. If you would, let's pray together. Father, we thank you oh, for the name of the Father God, for the name of Jesus Christ. The name above every other name. May we declare the name of Jesus. Jesus, our hearts are open, our minds are open. Holy Spirit, I pray we would listen and receive from the innermost, our innermost being. We would hear your word and it would change and transform us. Our faith would be renewed. We will be different than when we came in. Every lie that the enemy has spoken would be exposed in the truth of who you are, the truth of Jesus Christ. Gosh, you're awesome, Father. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Have a seat if you would. Man, I'm excited about this morning, excited to come together in God's house. And as we finish this series called Faith for Your Family, it has been an amazing series as we've talked about faith for our family. And I want you to know today that God wants to build a legacy of faith for your family through you. I don't know your background. I don't know your past. I don't know if that's a heritage that you've actually had in your family or not, a heritage of the faith in Jesus Christ. But here is what I know, that God wants to use you to build legacy, a legacy of faith connected to Jesus Christ for your family. Amen? And it can be, it's for every single family from every background. We we can do this, we can see this, and we can grow in it, and we can build this for Jesus Christ. I think it's in us to be able to build. You're like, Scotty, you don't know me. I can't even read a tape measure. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being able to build a family that has a legacy of faith in Jesus. Listen, may I remind you that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God lives in you, and the Spirit of God is the creator of all things. He is the master builder. He created all things. And that same spirit lives in you as a Christian so you too can be a builder. So we can build each other up and we can build this life for Jesus Christ. Listen, I think you have it in you to be a builder. Now I don't, I when I was when I was younger, now I can I can build things, I can do things, but I wouldn't say I'm good at it. It looks like in the natural. I just rig things. Shelly said I'm the master rigger because I can, I can get by. little bailing wire, a little duct tape. Come on, somebody. Some string if you have to, whatever you can find. But I remember when I was in elementary school. I just say that broadly now because the older you get, you can't remember if it was first grade, second grade, third. It all blurs together. Just when I was little is all I know. Well, I was never really little <laughs> when I was shorter. I was stout, if you know what I mean. And so... Husky, husky, that's a good, that's a good way to describe it. Um, And so I I remember my friends had a, they had, at their house, they had a, they had a, some wooded area back behind their house. And we would always go, we'd build these forts. And these forts, you know, like this is our fortress. This was something we'd build. And we, different levels. But I remember one in particular, it was like, it was three levels. I mean, three level. We, I don't know where we found the materials. I'm believing that we found them. We didn't take them. Someone, you know what I'm saying? I was just a third grader. I didn't know Jesus yet. Come on. So we, uh, we, we had like 10, we had, uh, old I don't know where we found old carpet. We had wood. I mean, this thing was, it was three levels though. And in my mind, like then I probably thought this is like a, this is like a grand fortress. This thing was the coolest thing ever in the world. I mean, looking back, it was probably each level was only about three foot, and you had to crawl on your belly to get into it. But you know what I mean? That was our place. We would go there. That was our fortress. We would go there, and we'd hide away. It was the most awesome thing you had ever seen in your life, in, in, in my mind. But today, you could probably just push it over. You know what I mean? Someone lean on it. Hey, don't lean on that. thing's going to fall right over But we had so much fun doing that. We built this thing, and we built this fortress. And it made me think, as we were, as I was reading the Scripture, in, in biblical times, they would build fortresses or they'd build towers. They'd build these these places of refuge and these places of protection. Like even, even like as we see, you know, you've probably heard of Jericho, the walls of Jericho. You know, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Somebody like, I wasn't raised in church. That sounds weird. It's folksy. It's folksy, you know what I'm saying? And, uh, and even the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down, they were like six foot, at least six foot wide, like they were massive. I mean, this is how they would do things. And on these, all these walls, often they would have uh, these towers built that, were, that would help for protection, they could fight and view, or they, they would have watchmen that would be stationed in these towers to look over and to watch for the city or watch for enemies coming. But then also, in the middle of the cities, they would build these towers. These towers of, of uh, a fortress, a strengthening tower. And in these towers, they were just crazy. Like I was reading about one tower uh, and it was that it was, they had found 70. It was like 72 foot uh, by 59. You're like, that's not a perfect circle. I get it. You know what I mean? They had a reason. And, and, and then it was like 60 or 65 foot tall. So it had all these layers. And this thing was massive. I mean, this was Big. And what they would do is they would put in that tower like food and, and uh, water or different drinks that, that would sustain you. They, sometimes they would even have weapons there. So all this was in the tower. And there was a reason because if, if the wall was breached and the enemy came in, you would run to the tower and you would get in the tower, all of you together, and you would have food and you'd have the things you need. It was a fortified tower. That's, that's how they would build this. So when Solomon declares in Proverbs 18.10 that about the, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous run into it and are safe, it would automatically, the reader, it would click to them, oh, I, this, I know what a strong tower is. They were This was a common thing. And so they would get it. They would understand this. This would make sense to them. And what we know is from reading this, we know that God is not just talking about the safety of a physical structure. Solomon wasn't just writing this for that, but he was pointing to something different. He was pointing to a spiritual structure, something supernatural that we could go to, that we could run to, and that could cover us. And that's found in God. And so we're going to talk about this Fortress. We're going to talk about the family's fortress that we can run to. And I just want to ask three questions today as we get into this. So if you're taking notes and you're like, I like points, we're going to have three questions so you can actually put them all together here in a minute for you note takers. And, and I think it's going to make sense to us as we begin to talk about this fortress. So number one, why do families need a strong fortress? Number one, why do families need a strong Fortress. Well, simply put, is we need the support, strength, and a fortified truth in God. And I say we need a truth in God because we don't just need truth. We need a truth in God. Can I get an amen? The enemy is attacking the family that we know it with deception and lies. Okay? This is just the truth. This is what... If we... Pay attention to common culture. The family, as God has established it, is being attacked by the enemy. This is just the truth. You want to know why we need a strong fortress? It's because we need this, a place where the truth is fortified. If you're taking notes, write this down. If the enemy can distort the truth of a godly, godly family, then he can dilute the power of a godly family. If he can destroy, distort the truth of a godly family, then he can dilute the power of a godly family. And I'm telling you, our society needs godly families. They need godly fam- families because you're like, well, are they perfect? No, they're not perfect. That's, that's okay, but we are, 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 our focus and how we live is according to the ways of God. And so we can, we can be ministers of God through a godly family. So God has established a family and the enemy has tried to dilute it. This is why truth has been redefined in culture. Truth has been redefined in culture. Listen, truth in culture is individualistic and is fluid. It changes for whoever you are. You make the truth up. The truth is relative. That's what truth is in culture. Truth in God is defined by God and unchangeable according to his word. God defines truth, and He's established it in His Word. So it's not fluid, it's, only, it's, only, it's solid according to he, who He is. Is this making sense? But all of society, or the majority of society, common culture is trying to tell us different. That's why the Bible is being attacked. That's why the Bible is under, under attack and trying to be disproved. But let me just tell you that the Bible has been proven throughout all of history. It's not a storybook. It's not a fable. It's been proven over and over again through scientific discovery, through through it coming true and coming to pass. The Bible is the real deal. It's the truth of God, and it's for us today. It's living. May we be be connected to the Bible. God's plan for family must be filtered through the truth of the Bible. It must be filtered through God, not culture's truth. If we look at the fabric of family and how it is today, what we see in culture is that marriage is not needed for a family. This is what we see in culture marriage is not needed for a family. If we look, I mean, let's just be honest. Movies, television, uh, music, social media, they all present, or the majority of them present, sex outside of marriage as the norm. This is the truth. I'm just telling you how it is. This is what the truth is that, but God's truth is that raising a family is meant to be, is meant to be between a husband and a wife and raising a family according to God's word and what he says. This is this is how God set it up. This is what he wants. Now, I know it doesn't always work out this way. I know there are times where we make choices. And those choices have repercussions and they set things into motion and they flow out a certain way. I know at other times that it had nothing to do with our choices. But somebody made choices for us or against us, and in the way that we find the place we find ourselves, even with our family, is not exactly how it was going to look to begin with. And here's what I want you to know: that God doesn't discard families like that. God doesn't throw those fam- families away. He still loves them, cares for them, and has a mighty plan for you and your family. You don't always have to be exactly right because you're not perfect. But what God is asking that wherever your family is at today, you would surrender it to him. That you would say, God, this is where I'm at. I come to you just as I am. And you know what's amazing? He's a gracious, loving God. In James, it tells us come nigh to God and he'll come nigh to you. So the only thing that distances us from God with our family is our own decisions and our own heart. God sees families of every kind, and he knows where you're at. And if you will surrender to him and following his ways, he can do mighty things with your family. The truth in culture that it continues to go to try to break down the family, I want us to understand this, is that it's even created, culture's even created its own version of sexuality. And that's affecting our families, and specifically our children. Because common culture is telling us that sexuality is an individual choice that only affects me when that is not the truth. And I'm going to bring this into to why, why this is important in family. Uh, the psychologist and author James Dobson from Focus on the Family shared a story. He was addressing a large Christian, uh, large Christian school. And he had the opportunity after he, he gave this address to actually meet with the, the elementary counselors and the elementary faculty. And when he met with the elementary faculty of a Christian school, he asked them, what is the number one issue that you're dealing with when it comes to the elementary students? And the number one issue at this Christian school, this was in 2022, was gender identity. The number one issue was gender identity. And the reason is because this is the lie that is being sold because the enemy knows if he can destroy your identity of who you are in God, then he can begin to tear away at the fabric of the family. You say, why is that? Because God's plan for family counters this lie. See, because God lines up with, the, with his Bible and his truth. Since creation, we see sexuality as being defined by God, not us. Okay? Sexuality is not independent but co-dependent on God, and one another, and His design. You're like, really? Let's go to. Shall we go to Genesis? He, he the institution of coming together. Right. We don't like it that we're codependent on one. You may be a strong man and you may be a strong woman, but can I tell you, you were designed to coexist with one another in specific ways, either as husband or wife or before that as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how God designed it, and that's how he means family to be built on this, on this truth. And I'm telling you right now, you want to know why the family needs a strong fortress is because we need the truth of God to be reiterated in our hearts among other believers that strengthens what we're doing. You're like, are you saying that, it sounds like you're saying that we should be closed minded to other things. That's exactly what I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying. I remember having a conversation with one of my family members one time. And they said, we were getting frustrated. We were talking politics, not the best thing to do. And um, they were like, you're just closed-minded. I said, I am. I'm closed-minded. I go to the Word of God. That's where I'm going to go to. I'm going to the Word of God. He said, Scott, it's not that easy. I didn't say living by the Word of God is easy, but that's where we're supposed to go. My gosh, if we don't have a truth that points true north, what are we looking at? And it's attacking our families. That's why that we must go to the Lord. We've, that's why we need a strong refuge to be uh, rejuvenated, replenished, encouraged, to people that are thinking the same way we're thinking. Not that we're better than anybody, but we live according to a different set of things because we surrender our life to Jesus. Okay, enough of number one. I can tell you're excited about that. Number one was why do we need it? Number two, where do families find the strong fortress? It's And let me start by saying, if we're looking for something, it's probably good to look in the right place for that thing. Was it Johnny Lee? Looking for love in all the wrong places? I I, I don't think we've ever sang that one in church. I think the band's been working on it. Unveiling February. (laughs) And it's like, like I, I like to eat. I'm a foodie. You can tell. It's like, I just enjoy it. I could eat almost anything. I'm not very particular from cereal to burritos. I mean, everything in between. But like when it comes down to it, I want a steak. I like, I just, a good steak. You're like, you know, that red beef's not good for you. Oh, stop it. We're not preaching about health today in the physical body. We're preaching about spiritual family health. And if I were to ask you where to find a good steak, everybody would have their different opinions. Oh, this place, that place, that's the best steak. Some of you would be like, my house, I make the best steak. I don't know if I believe you. (laughs) Shelly and I would like to see firsthand. (laughs) Monday through Wednesday is usually pretty good. Anytime after 5.30, let us confirm what you're speaking. But here's what I'm pretty sure of. None of you would recommend Burger King. (laughs) Oh, Scotty, Burger King, you just take that beef patty or that patty, i don't know, whatever it is, and you, uh, if you work at Burger King, I apologize, it may be true, 100% beef, flame broiled, or is that Whopper? I don't know. Anyway, you're like, take that thing, it's the best. You would not do that. You, you would not recommend that place for the best steak. And I th- this is the truth. It's easy for families today to look in all the wrong places for all the right answers. There's so many things vying for our attention, right? Media, school systems, sports programs, counselors. And I'm going to tell you, God uses some of these things. God places people in these places for influence for his kingdom. But if it's not that, if it's not that person or that person being used by God, and we're just putting all of our trust in that, it will never satisfy what God wants to do with us. It's not the strong tower. It's not the spiritual supernatural component that God wants to use in us because there's only one place like that. And he tells us that, that there is no substitute for this fortress. It is our true haven. It's the name of the Lord. The name of the Lord is our strong tower. You're like, well, what does that mean, the name of the Lord? Well, if you research, I'm going to go through all the technical terms, but you'll start seeing that the name of the Lord is our provision. The name of the Lord is our salvation. The name of the Lord is our healing. The name of the Lord, come on, is our Redeemer. You're like, I don't know. No, God can meet every single need, and it's all encompassing in His name. The name of the Lord is our strong tower because it represents everything we could ever need. He is the solution. He is the answer. The name of Jesus. This is, this is what you're saying. Like, well, so we find our refuge in the name of the Lord. And you're like, well, I thought the title of the message was actually the family's fortress, the church The family's fortress. So, Scotty, how does this correlate to the church? I didn't think you would ever ask. Let me share with you. Matthew 16, 13 through 18. Let me read that again. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Still others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So we see here that, that the Apostle Peter makes this proclamation of who Jesus is. We have to remember the power of a name, especially in the biblical days. If you go back to the Old Testament and you look, there, there was Abram and Sarai. And you're like, that doesn't sound familiar. It's because they, their name was changed to Abraham and Sarah. And you're like, well, why? Because, because what the plan that God had for them, their name had to change so that they would, they would then be identified by who, who he's calling them to be. You, so they're now Abraham and Sarah. So there's power when you're saying a name. In the Old Testament, you couldn't even say the name of God. They couldn't even say the name of God. It was so holy. So now Peter not only says you're Jesus, but he says you're the Messiah. If you look at that, it actually talks about the anointed one. So when you look in the Old Testament and we look at Proverbs 18.10, it says the Lord, it's Jehovah. Go look at that word. It actually means Jehovah, and it means that it is the existing one. And then now you go to the New Testament and you look at the word Christ or Messiah. It says he's the anointed one. So the existing one sent the anointed one to show the world who he was and how much he loved him. Amen. So there's this revelation in Peter of who Jesus is. Jesus isn't saying, Peter, because of who you are, which is Little Rock, that I'm going to build my church. He's saying, upon the truth that you know who I am and the revelation of who I am, then that's what we're going to build the church on. The name of Jesus. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The name of Jesus is the anointed one. And then he says, I'm going to establish my church. There are people today that will say, well, you know, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Well, I'm just going to tell you, you can't separate the two. Do you notice what he says? I thought this was so interesting. Just one little word in there. Jesus said, he didn't say, I will build the church. He said, I'll build my church. Jesus, I love you, but I don't like your church. Jesus is like, well, that's me represented in the earth. That's how I move. That's how I live. That's how I breathe. That's how I speak into the lives of others. So you can't separate the two. The church is still the entity that declares the truth of his name and declares his grace. The church is still where believers join together, pointing in the same direction, having the same goals, encouraging one another. The church is a place where you can come, grab a hold of Jesus Christ, declare his name together, spur one another on. There's people that are down on the church. I Honestly, I'm just going to be real. I don't give a rip because that's not what I've seen in the church. The church is powerful. You're like, is it really? Well, I don't know. Take the words of Jesus. If you're frustrated, take it up with him. He listens, so go to him in prayer. He says the church is so powerful. Jesus declared this about his church. He said not even the gates, which means the powers, all the organizations. He said not even the gates of hell will prevail against it. I know there are times where it looks down. I know there are times where it doesn't look exactly like it was supposed to look. But let's be patient. Allow it to work its way out. Because what we do know is when the church gathers together under the name of Jesus Christ, not even the gates of hell. Sometimes it feels like hell's moved in. Sometimes it feels like it's as far as everything is bombarding you. I'm just going to tell you, get together with the church. I have people say, the church isn't perfect. I know it's not. Isn't that good news? The church isn't perfect? I was thinking about this. I started thinking, you know why it's good news that the church isn't perfect? Because if it were, you wouldn't get to come here. I wouldn't get to come here. If it were perfect, as soon as we walked in the door, it would change in a hurry. I know you may be good. But I can promise you you're not perfect. Let me talk to two or three of your friends and then if that doesn't work, I'll start talking to family members. And you know, in a hurry, they at least come up with one thing. One thing. The church isn't perfect. You and I aren't perfect. Jesus is the only perfect one. And by His grace... He decided to use imperfect people to build the church. Starting with the disciples. There are people often that say, you got it wrong, Pastor Scotty. You're saying this, but the church isn't a gathering. The church is the people. The people everywhere that say they're Christians. Well, you're half right. It's the people everywhere and it's the gathering. If you look at the word in Matthew used for church, ecclesia, that actually means both. It means a gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place or an assembly. It also means the whole body of Christians scattered throughout the earth. So we do both. It's not either or, it's and. It is the gathering together of all of us. And it is the family that is spread out throughout the earth. Meaning you can go to Africa and you can worship with other believers. You can go to Cambodia and you can worship with other believers. You can go just a few miles away to another church. We are spread out everywhere, but we still come together as well and lift up the name of Jesus. I'm telling you, I got saved when I was 13 and the church changed me. It helped me grow into who I am today. And you're like, yeah, but you're a pastor. Well, yes, I am. But for, for 20 years of my Christian walk, I wasn't a pastor. I volunteered. I got. Fr- you're going to be shocked to know this, but I had many opportunities to be offended. And surprise, it doesn't stop when you become a pastor. If anything else, it may go to another level. But the church is the place where we declare the name of Jesus. We come together and we lift him up in worship, we lift him up in the message, we lift him up in fellowship. We lift him up in small groups. We lift him up when we see one another. And it doesn't stop there because as a Christian, we are the church. It is here, but then it's also there in your homes. It's also there in your workplaces where you represent the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Declaring the name of Jesus is not confined to a church gathering, but a church gathering helps strengthen us to declare the name of Jesus. I need the church. I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need us to lift one another up. I need us to, to have each other's back. I, need us to, I needed people in the church to help me with my family. I needed people in my church to encourage my kids sometimes when they felt like they lived in a a fishbowl because they were pastor's kids. I needed the church to be there. I needed someone I could say, man, brother and sister, I don't know what I'm going to do with my kids right now. And they'd begin to encourage me and lift me up. I need the church when when we had questions at times in our marriage, but am I doing this the right way? Is this wrong? And they could give me direction and guidance and help me. Come on, this is the body of believers. You want to talk about a fortress for your family. You find it in the name of Jesus, and that name is represented in the church. We declare the name of Jesus together. And number three, how do families get into the strong fortress? You know, we lived in, in, the, in Oklahoma City for about a year and a half, and, and uh, we lived pretty close to where the Thunder played basketball. This is when they, I, they were winning some games. And uh, time, times have changed. That's okay. And we had a friend that had season tickets, great season tickets. And, and so he didn't live close by, though, and he would forget all the time that he hadn't gotten rid of his tickets. So he would call us like an hour before the game and be like, hey, could you use these tickets? I was like, yes. I mean, we, we could walk there. And so we would get to go watch all these games. It was so much fun. We, we just had a blast. But what I know is I couldn't even get in the door. I couldn't even walk through the gate without my ticket. They wouldn't let you in. I didn't get to go without this ticket. And you know, when we talk about the church, I think people often think of the church, God's house, God's people as this exclusive club. But really, if there's anything ever that's inclusive, it's, it's the church. Jesus Christ doesn't say, get cleaned up and then come to me. Hey, you stop all that sinning and then come to me. Oh, if you made too many mistakes, you can't come to me. He never said that. He said, come to me all who are weary and and heavy laden. It's it's on us. All of us can come. This isn't some club. This is open for everybody. You want to know how you get into the strong fortress, how you take your family there? You call on the name of the Lord. You run to Him. There is no secret knock. There is no secret password. He said, just come to me. James tells us, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Romans 10, 12 through 13, the Apostle Paul writes this to the church of Rome. He says, for there's no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Come on. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I know sometimes we don't know how to lead. I know sometimes we don't know what to do. I know at times our family history has looked rough, and we don't even know how to, we don't even know how to break out of it. We don't even know how to change it. Can I tell you the answer is Jesus? And what he said is all you got to do is call on me? Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'll help you. I'll strengthen you. I'll walk you through this. There's no secret club. I love everybody. He gave his life for whosoever. So not just you, but your neighbor that doesn't know how their family will ever survive, God puts you there for a reason. Your co-worker that doesn't know what they're going to do, God placed you there for a reason. Because Jesus Christ loves you. And all he asks is that you would come to him. do you get in? You go to God. I understand there's people that don't know God. And I pray that their heart will be convicted by the Holy Spirit. But it makes sense to me that if they don't know God, they won't run to God. But the people that know God, those of us that say we're Christians, shouldn't we run to God? Shouldn't we make it a a discipline where we continually run to God. You're like, and even if you haven't, even if you're a Christian and you haven't made that a discipline in your life and you're like, so I don't want to run to him just when I need him. What are you talking about? Even if it hasn't been a discipline, swallow your pride and run to God and fall on your face before him. Swallow your pride. Run to someone you're like, man, I... Brother, I've seen you and your family. I want what you have. What, what do I need to do? And let's let God speak to us here. See, we have to think like the righteous. Righteous doesn't mean you're any better than someone else, by the way. But it does mean that you've surrendered your life to Jesus. You're covered by the blood. You've been vindicated by God. You It's been by His grace in something that He did, not in what you could do. Jesus asked the people. He said, he asked the people. Who do you say that I am? I, maybe you're John the Baptist. Some would say you're John the Baptist. What are people saying about me? I, some would say you're John the Baptist. Some would say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. People don't know who Jesus is. We want that to change, Obviously. But then he said, but who do you say that I am? Do you know why you spend time in prayer and in the word? It's not to unlock something from Jesus. It's not that if I pray just enough or do this just enough, then he'll love me. He loves you. It's so that you know him. It's so that you know him, so you catch his heart. He said, Peter, who who do you say I am? He said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And when you spend time with Jesus, you begin to see who he is. You're righteous, not because of your good deeds, but it says the righteous run into it. When you have a righteous mindset, you're going to continually run to the name of the Lord. You're going to continually run to Him. And I promise you, He lets you in. He's not holding you out. We know as we follow Christ, it's the place to go. And He'll never turn us away. The church is a place we can run. The name of Jesus is represented in the church. And this helps us continually run to Him. And I just want to ask you this morning... Where are you running to? Where are you running to? Where are you seeking fortress? Where do you go to? I just know that with my family, if it had not been for Jesus, if it had not been for the church, There's no telling where we would be I know in my own life I look back and I see where I could have been but my family not perfect made a decision to follow Jesus Christ my dad my mom established something different and I want you to know you can do the same thing God wants to move through you and he wants you to come to him and seek fortress in him Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.